Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Age of Jeremy. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Age of Jeremy. I am the leader in tax investment and business advice. Also follow our podcast network, the Age of Radioverse, on Instagram at Well Age of Radioverse. We have over a hundred podcasts. Um, we and we continue to grow. We just added two more podcasts: Blake's Buzz and Explain Yourself with Kevin and Will. You can also check me out on TikTok at Age of Jeremy, and I've been spending a lot of time on Twitter since Jack Dorsey um, relinquished to CEO role. Um, I'm a big fan of Twitter moving forward. After this, I would even say that the stock's a buy. Uh, Twitter, you can reach out to me at Age of Jeremy Q. Um, if you want to be on this podcast and chat, email me at jeremy.quintany at ageofradio.org. That's jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y dot quintany, Q-U-I-N. T-A-N-I-L-L-A, that's Lima Lima A, and that's at ageofradio.org. You can also email me if you want to start a podcast or be on our podcast network. It's free for everyone. We are an ad-focused company where we sell ad space on your podcast to help pay for your podcast. We advertise your podcast, all kinds of great stuff. So if you want to be a part of those 100 podcasts that we have and uh, growing and be a part of our amazing network that's going to take over the world or is taking over the world, just reach out to me. That also being said, I am looking for small business owners and influencers to share their stories. We're just doing a lot of more interviews. The reason why we don't have an interview this week is because like we had to reschedule it. I have like four interviews coming up. Um, you're going to hear about NFTs. You're going to hear about the metaverse. You're going to hear about cryptocurrencies. Um, and I just love talking to people about the, the, I guess the exciting things that have happened in their life. So if you want to be on this podcast, again, we don't charge to be on this podcast. I think that's a horrible fucking model and I'll never do it. Um, so we'd love to have you on our podcast because we love stories. No matter how small, no matter how big, we love stories. That being said, 2022 Freedom Conference tickets are on sale now. If you don't know, I own a company, a thriving company, a seven-figure company called 3T Fitness. I also own a six-figure company called Uncommon 1%, which we're taking to a seven-figure company this year. But we are really getting into our events. We created our own brand. It's called 3T Warrior Events. It's headed by Coach Laura. Um, She is a coach and been with our academy for a really long time. She's heading that up. But the 2022 Freedom Conference tickets went on sale. We've already sold out of our VIP ticket spot. Um, it is a wealth building conference. Coach JV will be talking about mindset. Porter Shumway, who is a uh, with Assault River Financial, will be talking about insurance and how to grow your wealth with insurance vehicles. 
crypto influencer bearable bull will be live streamed in because no one knows what he looks like. Um, and he will be talking about crypto. Obviously Jordan Harry will be our MC of the event and he'll also be speaking about speed learning. Uh, we will also have our technical analysis team, which we're going to have on this podcast in a couple of weeks and our crypto research team, um, there as well. Coach Jackie or Jackie, which you heard on gyms with Jackie. She's part of our technical analysis team. Um, and they're also going to be hosting panels there. So the link to get into that freedom conference and to buy your ticket and to reserve your spot. Um, or if you want to join virtually, we're also selling virtual tickets for a little bit lower. Um, it's going to be held in Phoenix, Arizona, because that's where we reign from is in the great state of Arizona. Um, specifically our business is in Mesa, Arizona, but the conference is going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. And again, I live in Glendale, Arizona, because I love Glendale, Arizona. Um, so that being said, we are uh, selling virtual tickets. We're selling in-person tickets and the VIP tickets. They sold out. We uh, put this on sale on Friday. VIP tickets, again, are sold out. It is going fast. Go ahead and reach into my link tree um, and you can, um, I guess, uh, find a link to join the conference or you can read in this podcast episode. I don't know if a lot of people do the podcast descriptions or if they read them. I'm not really big into that, but I guess there has been a few times when people have said that something's in the podcast description that I've been like, yeah, I'm going to go down there and look. So that being said, I'd love for you to be a part of our freedom conference in some fashion. It's to really help uh, build generation wealth. And we're also going to be doing uh, launching some cool stuff there um, that I might tell you a little bit more at the end of this podcast if you stay all the way through. So, all right, let's get into today's podcast. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You are listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. All right, let's start with some inflationary news. Burger King, Domino's pull back on value menus as costs rise. This comes from the Wall Street Journal uh, by Heather Hayden. As always, links to news articles and other dope shit will be in the episode description if you want to look there. If not, I guess you're not going to find it. Um, inflation is coming to a longtime refuge of price-conscious consumers. Restaurant value menus. Burger King, Denny's, and Domino's Inc. are among the chains that are reducing their menu of discounted items or are shrinking portions to try to improve their margins, executive said. Some chain executives hoped the trimming of discount menus and meal deals might bring less pushback from consumers that straight uh, rather than having those straight price increases. So McDonald's Corporation um, up 2.95% earlier this year began letting franchisees sell sodas for higher prices after all sizes of the drinks were promoted nationally for a dollar for several years. The company and franchisees said uh, Denny's is also promoting I read that sentence horrible. <laughs> Let me go back and do that. So McDonald's Corp um, earlier this year began letting franchisees sell sodas for higher prices after all sizes of the drinks were promoted nationally for a dollar for several years. Denny's is promoting fewer low cost items on its menus as the family dining chain's executives said more customers are willing to pay for a sit down experience. Uh, this is in quotations. I want the $9 omelet. I want the gourmet pancakes. I want a second round of coffee. I'm not here for a deal, Denny's chief executive John Miller told investors last month. The chain uh, still has a pancake meal deal starting at $4, but no longer advertises a whole value menu of items between $2 and $8, Mr. Miller said at an industry conference. 
U.S. consumer prices are climbing with a 7% annual increase in December, representing the biggest gain since 1982, the Labor Department said. Supply chain challenges strong. I am, so, when they have these, quote, this is what's happening in these when I'm reading this, because again, I read these articles because they're I'm taking them from somewhere else, and I want you to know the news. So what they're doing is they're putting the sentence, and then they're saying who said that at the end of the sentence. So when I'm reading it, it sounds like this. U.S. consumer prices are climbing with a 7% annual increase in December, representing the biggest gain since 1982, the Labor Department said. That, I, I don't like, it's again, it's supposed to be read, maybe isn't supposed to be spoken out loud, but what are you going to do? <coughs> okay, so supply chain challenges, strong demand, and consumer stimulus payments are all contributing to rising prices, economists say. So real quick, how can you hedge against inflation? So this isn't part of the article. This is just my advice. The number one safe haven for inflation is going to be gold. And if you want to learn more about gold, come to our Freedom Conference. We're also going to have gold expert there as well. But the number two way to hedge against inflation, which is the one that I prefer, is to buy other types of commodities, which is like the shit that people need, like oil, electricity, water, beef, chicken, and so forth. The reason why these are good is because they have a direct correlation with inflation and price. So when inflation goes up, up, these will go up as well um, because of the inflation. So they are a good hedge. Okay, back to the news. So is it time to bail out of the stock market? Wild price swings are shaking the resolve of some investors. This comes from Market Watch's Mark de Cambre. And real quick, apparently Mark de Cambre is the only person that writes articles for Market Watch or writes articles that pique my interest because he is literally the only person articles that I read on here. So way to go, Mark, if you're listening to this, everybody should just go and follow Mark DeCombre at Market Watch and see if he's like, why is this happening? And then he's going to be like, oh, it's because of the Age of Jeremy show. Yeah. All right. So let's see here. It is time to bail out of stocks and bonds. This isn't the market that investors likely signed up for back in 2021 when shares in GameStop Core and movie chain AMC Entertainment Holdings were headed to the moon, drawing in droves of investing neophytes. The meme stock frenzy, the one underpinned by social media chatter as opposed to fundamentals, has fizzled, at least for now. High-flying technology stocks that could change the course of the world have been under pressure as benchmark bond yields turn up with the promise of a Federal Reserve that is closing the purse strings of too loose monetary policy. Economists and market participants are predicting three, four, maybe as many as seven interest rate increases of about a 25 basis points or 0.25 percentage points each this year to tackle inflationary pressures that have gotten out of hand. The upshot is that borrowing costs for individuals and companies are going up and cheap costs of funds that help to fuel a protracted bull market is going away. Those factors have contributed partly to one of the ugliest January declines in the history of the technology heavy NASDAQ composite index, which is down nearly 12% with a single session left in the month, leaving one final attempt to avoid its worst monthly decline since October of 2008. And that data set comes from a company called FactSet. So what does that mean? It means that inflation is getting out of hand for lots of reasons. One, because we printed money. 
more so because more people are going back to work. Um, one of the things that the Biden administration, and this isn't part of the article, again, this is just my opinion, uh, the Biden administration has really pushed that they have created more jobs than the last presidency or the Trump presidency. Um, and they have, it could be, and not sure if that takes into account where the Trump presidency was out before the pandemic, or if that's just in total, uh, not sure if they, I'm sure they looked at it, not sure if the media has put that piece out. Um, that being said, as far as jobs being created, um, he's done a lot more with that. And so the fact that more people are going into the economy and working is going to drive up inflation, in my opinion, more than anything else. Um, and that is what is happening. So my idea would be, or my guess would be, or if you're investing to move some of your money into gold, move some of your money into commodities. I'm not a huge fan of gold in the sense that I don't give a shit about gold. I care about beef. I care about chickens. I care about electricity. I care about a lot of um, the other types of commodities, orange juice. If you've ever seen trading places, I would prefer to own orange juice than other types of commodities, the things that people are going to need on a daily basis. They're not going to need gold, but most people are taught that you flood that money into gold and it's safe. So more and more people are going to flood that money into gold. As I've said multiple times, if we go into a market economy where, or a trading economy where we're trading gold for goods, it's going to last a little bit. And then we're going to want to trade commodity for commodity like it was before we had this basic coin structure that we have now. So that being said, if you want to read more of the links and the, sorry, if you want to read more of these articles, we'll go, go over to market watch and wall street journal. Again, the links to the articles are in the description and we will be right back. It was very difficult to figure out how to talk about what I wanted to talk about today. I decided to start with a story since I enjoy stories. Again, I had a uh, interview scheduled with uh, Johnny Crypto and NFT Tones to talk about the metaverse and to talk about NFTs. If you want to see more of them, our research team, which Johnny Crypto is a part of at 3T Academy, um, they do a Johnny Crypto does a video with Coach, I believe every Friday. We're going to do it every other Friday or something along those lines. So head on over to the YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel, 3T Warrior Academy or 3T Crypto. You can also subscribe to um, our 3T Warrior Labs, which talks about our crypto clothing and all the cool stuff that we have coming out. Um, again, apologize for my wheezing. I do have asthma. Um, I don't think I'm sick. I just think that I'm talking fast and it's always something that boggles my mind without I wheeze a lot and the microphone picks it up and pisses me off. But anyways, so... I decided to start with a story since I enjoy stories. Now, I lived in Flagstaff when I was 22, and I'm 38 now, so that was 16 years ago. I decided that if I was going to make anything of myself, I figured I needed to go to college so I could learn a skill or some skills or something. Now, at that time, I wanted to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. My intellectual heroes in my adulthood or in my early adulthood were people like B.F. Skinner, Carl Jung, Freud, William James, um, and Wilhelm Reich. Now, the dilemma that I had was whether or not I wanted to become a medical doctor or just study psychology. Now, if you don't know about psychiatry, uh, to study psychiatry, you have to go to medical school. And then the other option that I was interested in was to become a neurologist. Now, during that time that I was in Flagstaff, I was working at Dillard selling men's shoes and then later over to women's shoes. And there was this retired engineer from Boeing there. And I think he told me, and he was selling shoes because he just needed something to do with his time. And he told me I would uh, that I should do something where I could provide for a family. And he said, become an engineer or to become a businessman. 
Now, psychiatrists make pretty good money because they practice medicine and so do neurologists. But psychologists, they don't make as much money as, say, someone who goes into finance and does portfolio theory or goes into some type of algorithmic trading or does corporate finance. Now, one of my friends at the time was doing finance and he explained to me that corporate finance or he explained to me uh, what corporate finance was and what portfolio analysis was. And if you're not familiar with those two terms, essentially corporate finance is maintaining the project that a company is going for and making sure that they're returning a profit. And you do this through some mathematical equations and you do this through what's called net present value. Um, and so you kind of manage these different projects, make sure that they're going to be profitable, modeling multiple years out, discounting those cash flows to the current year, and then trying to find out if that's going to result in a net present value or some type of positivity. And if it does, you're going to move forward with that, that project. There's lots of other stuff that's inside of there, but I mean, that's like the, the broadest way that I can explain corporate finance. Portfolio analysis is what, what I enjoy and what I try to talk to my clients about and people that I know. And when I say my clients, all the people that I run businesses with. Um, and I try to explain to them that when you're doing portfolio analysis, it doesn't matter if one thing goes up, if something else is going down. So what you're trying to do, you're trying to look at the overall picture of what you're trying to reach. And a lot of the times you're trying to reach what's called alpha. I'm not going to go into that here, but you're trying to reach what's called alpha. So you build up a portfolio of stocks and bonds and crypto, whatever else the fuck you want. And you're trying to make it outperform the market um, to a certain factor. And if you can outperform the market in a certain factor, then you are doing a good job. And if you can't, then people might as well just put their money in the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or some type of composite index, right? And so that's the difference between, and that's what you learn in finance school. Um, also, you learn a majority of that if you go and get an MBA, you learn the basics of most of those things. Um, so at the time when he explained that to me, I decided, well, I'm good at math, so that's what I'm going to do. And so that's what I did. I went to Arizona State University for finance, accounting, and then I went on a master's in business administration. And ever since then, I have been working to just make money, I guess. And I found out over the last 16 years that the right amount of me, money for me is around mid six figures. Um, and that mid six figures, I'm meaning 150,000. I think that's a comfortable place, at least in Arizona where I live. Um, nothing extravagant, nothing unextravagant. Um, anything over that, I don't really give a shit about. It's just extra money. We do make over that. Um, but the point is, is that it doesn't provide any more happiness than if I didn't have it, right? It just allows me to make more money. <laughs> and so that mid six figures, that includes two incubs. This is this is including two adults, right? Me and my wife. And we do have our 17-year-old uh, niece living with us that I take care of. And so I can't really assess how difficult it would be financially to have a, a child that's under that because our child's pretty much an adult, but I think that she's just as or more expensive. Um, and she doesn't work. So it's not like her income is providing for the family. So we provide for her now. However, like I said, we make more than that, but anything over that amount, right? I found that that's like the nice sweet spot. I don't need a nice car. I can afford a really nice car. Um, I relooked at the numbers and the highest car that I can afford right now is a high end Porsche. Um, but I don't need a high end Porsche. It doesn't, it doesn't provide me any happiness. I would rather take that money and buy a building or make sure that my employees have more money or start businesses with some of my employees so they can live out their entrepreneurial, you know, strat dreams and things like that. Right. And so now uh, I like putting money into those projects because I like creating businesses. And this is also interesting because I found out that the two things that I really enjoy is I enjoy being creative a side I don't show a lot of people and I enjoy the process of 
creating or creating processes, right? So like industrial engineering. Industrial engineering is essentially what Elon Musk does. Elon Musk can't build a rocket himself, right? But he is really good at looking at all the processes and making things more efficient, right? So trying to get the efficiency down so we can use reusable rockets will get us into space. And so, so because he's an industrial engineer, he's been able to create more efficiencies. And with those efficiencies, he's been able to accomplish things that other people can't. I'm, you know, Elon Musk is Elon Musk. I'm going to say I like him and I don't like him. It just is what it is. He's an industrial engineer, right? Like his, I'm assuming his entrepreneurial heroes. Um, but again, I don't personally know him. So I'm going to track back a bit. When I was 12, I taught myself how to play guitar. I taught myself how to play piano and I taught myself how to play saxophone. I sometimes include the violin and harmonica in that list, but I'm just going to be real. I was really shitty at both of those, so I can't really play them now and perform in front of people. I could probably do pretty good with the saxophone, even though I don't have the saxophone. Actually, I will probably buy a saxophone this year. Um, and we have a piano and I have multiple guitars. So that being said, uh, and I'll probably buy some more keyboards, but um, uh, those are the ones that I can perform with. So they're the ones that I can really, really play. Now, during the same period, my 12 to 18, right, I fell in love with films, fell in love with plays, I fell in love with acting, I, I fell in love with storytelling, I fell in love with poems, painting, and well, anything that people would consider artistic. I fell in love with philosophy, esoteric studies, and of course, I fell in love with psychology, and I loved all of it. But what I never had was money. We were really, really poor, and I really, really hated it. So I became obsessed with getting money. Now, before we fast forward to finance, I also loved math. It was the only thing that I was good at at school, at least when I applied myself. I mean, I was good at everything, but I guess I really, really, really actually enjoyed math. And that was the thing that I enjoyed doing. And I enjoyed getting stuck and I enjoyed trying to solve it. The only math that I was always in an advanced math class until I started becoming a rabble rouser. Rabble rouser, rabble rabble. If you've ever seen Chowder, probably said it wrong. Um, so I went. Um, anyway, so because I'm really good at math, I went into finance, accounting, and business administration. So problem is, is that now I'm spending time doing the other things that I love because I am great. Great, I am. I guess, blessed to be able to do that because of my hard work, because of luck, because of being in the right place at the right time, um, and because of never giving up. But why am I bringing this up in the podcast, and what does it have to do with failing? And the answer to that is it really has everything to do with failing, and that's the reason why most people actually fail, in my opinion, which I'm going to talk about right after this. Okay, so why does anything I've talked about have to do with failing? So here's the reason, because you never, people don't do what they love. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about doing what you love. And that's why you fail because you're not doing what you love. And you need to figure out how to make money doing what you love. Now, doing what you love can mean working for someone else, right? There are people that love what they're doing. They don't have the entrepreneurial spirit. It's too much stress. They just want to become an electrical engineer. They want to sculpt pottery. They want to talk about art all day. And they can do that and do what they love and be fine with it, right? And the money thing doesn't really matter. It's just them doing the thing that they love. And then on their free time, they do other stuff. But they're doing what they love. So that can be working for someone else. It can mean working for yourself. And it can be building businesses or corporations like what I do. Um, only, and, and it doesn't, I don't know what the answer is for you if it means working for someone else, right? We get caught up in this thing that we're trying to tell people, right? We're trying to motivate people and motivate speakers. Everybody, it's right now is the time to start a business. Well, if you suck at business and you don't want to start a business and you're not happy doing it, you're not going to be happy starting a business if you're not happy with doing businessy shit. You could be really happy just being a drawer and being artistic and doing that for the rest of your life and doing it well and having people pay you to do that from a freelance position without trying to build a business and 
hiring people and making it complicated, right? Because there are a lot of stresses with that. I don't know what the answer is for you. Only you know the answer to that. But don't listen to the people that say that you have to go and start a business. It has to do with doing the thing that you love and learning how to make money doing that thing that you love. Okay. Only, you know, the answer to that and none of it is wrong. It just depends on your goals and what you want in your life. Okay. Now, to be honest, I, I do still want money so I can learn more and more and more. It helps to have money, but you don't need to learn. You don't need money to learn, especially when we have these great things still called libraries. We have, if you can get to a library or if you have access to the internet, why the internet should be accessible to everyone, in my opinion, for free, right? So people have access to all of this knowledge, okay? Because it's a commodity. Now, and that's the reason why I want money because I want to learn more and more and do more and more stuff. Right. And so with money, I can buy some math books. I love textbooks. I love courses and that takes money. So, but do what you love. Now I'm going to give you some examples, uh, along some examples and some points that are going to help you along your journey to do what you love. Okay. And so the first thing is the first example that I have is I just want you to, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to that, think about when you were last around people, when you were looking, look around at all the people that are in your vicinity, or when you get to work, look at all of those people, or whenever you're listening to this, next time you're in a group, people look at them. Most people are working for money. Why? Because that is what people have, that is why people have to work. They have to make money so they can buy food, so they can buy other shit, right? Most people don't have jobs that they enjoy because they don't know or didn't know how to do what they love and make money at it, or they didn't have someone supporting them. Okay. My mom is a mail carrier. She likes her job, but she has it because it paid well and still does pay very well. A great job to get money for someone who doesn't know what she loves, but she hates her bosses. I hate the way they rotate her days off and she is just not as happy with working there or as happy as she would be if she was doing something that she actually enjoyed, like being a feng shui consultant or talking to people about herbs and, you know, <laughs> remedies and all of that stuff, right? So, that's one example. The second example is my niece loves drawing. That is what she should be doing. She is good at it because she does it all the time. Maybe she is gifted, but she does it all the time. So she's gotten better and better at it. And she tries to get better at it. And people or dream killers out there might be like, well, you can't make a living drawing. And my answer to that is yes, you fucking can. You can get a master's. You can get a PhD. You can do research. You can study a PhD would probably be in art, not specifically in drawing. Um, she can work at a museum. She could create her own gallery. She could be a drawer for a comic book company. She could launch her own digital comic. She could pick up a freelance drawing gig. She could work for an animator. She could draw for children's books. People who say you can't do what you love are dicks. If they're women, they're fucking cunts, whatever the fuck you want to call them. But I suggest learn to ignore them or just don't be around them. Now that's difficult when it has to do with family because family is family. And depending on your religious beliefs, you know, family's family. Um, but I ignore my family most of the time when they say stupid shit. I love my family, but when they say stupid crap that pisses me off, I've just learned to ignore it. It doesn't matter to me. I just let that shit roll off my back and I keep doing what I'm doing and I'm pretty damn successful at it. So how do you do what you love? Do not just get a job for money. We live in a gig economy. I agree it's a bitch. There are shitty companies ran or started by shitty people like in Uber's case and don't pay people shit, but it is a gig economy. You can freelance yourself doing the skill set in some type of fashion. With technology, there are ways to sell out your skills to individuals without actually having to work for someone. This is essentially being a small business owner, a lot less stressful than being a corp being a like 
I don't know, like a corporate owner or I, I'm not the, the best way that I can explain is like a small business owner essentially works for themselves. They make what they would have been making if they were working for someone else, but they're doing it for themselves. May not grow up, be into this big multi-million dollar company because they don't know how to scale it, but they will be happy because they are just doing what they love. A lot of comic book drawers do this for Marvel and for Disney. They sell themselves out to these companies for a certain amounts of pages a day getting drawing and they just love doing that and they draw it, but they don't have like a full contract with say, you know, Marvel. Some of them do. I'm assuming, I don't know, that'd be a Joey question. Joey is, works for us and owns the Geek Collective. But point being is that you can freelance it. And because it's a gig economy, you can do that. Just do that while you're trying to find a job or landing a contract or maybe starting your own company if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you want to grow it. Um, just do that rather than going and getting the regular shitty job. Okay. Um, you will learn stuff by doing that freelancing stuff when you're in college. If you just do college, work a part-time job. And if you do the chance to do an internship, do the internship, whether it's free or not, because you're going to get, you're going to meet people. You're going to learn how to do that skill and it'll be easier for you to freelance it out later. Okay. Second, those same assholes that I was just telling you about that say that you need a job, uh, those assholes that can go fuck themselves, they will also be the same assholes that are like, what are you going to do with that degree? Teach it? Like, say, theater or sculpting or ballet. Well, yes, fucking teach people. Start a YouTube channel. Like I said earlier, get a PhD in your field and teach at the university level. Okay? So that that is what you can do. You can teach it and you can freelance it, and you can do the thing that you love. But to teach it, and to do it really well, and to do it on your own, brings me to my other thing that you have to do, is you have to learn how to you have to learn stuff software that goes around it. Now I'm going to specifically talk about e-learning because I was talking about teaching it. We still haven't even touched the surface of e-learning. We are still at the precipice of it or at the beginning of it. We're finally in a great time with companies like Skillshare. I'm sure there's the companies out there. I can't remember them. I just saw an ad for Skillshare. So I put it in here when I was writing it. You can also learn Adobe Captivate. I am a big fan of a Cap Adobe products. I'm a super big fan of Adobe Captivate. I have Adobe Captivate. I'm working now that I have more free time to do this to work on creating my own learning things through Adobe Captivate because I want to do it that way. I'm not focused on pushing it out just to make money. I can do it a certain way, right? But if you're not, you would just run through that learning Adobe Captivate real quick, learn how to sell your own products, maybe get set up on Skillshare, sell some of your classes on there right? You can sell classes and courses and you can create a community and share what you know. Knowledge is the greatest commodity apart from time. The more scarce a knowledge is, the more, or an idea is, the more you can charge for people to learn from you and you can charge for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you need to make a living doing it. Okay. Now, the other thing that will help you do what you love is you need to cross train. Okay. Now, I actually believe that cross-training is the single most important thing that I've done different in my life that has made me such an asset to people. Now, cross-training is usually attributed to sports to make you a better overall athlete. So let's just take running, for example. Runners would benefit from cross-training if they did weightlifting, if they did biking, if they did yoga, if they did climbing, okay? To see, to see how this continues down... So, so that's if you were doing a runner, but let's look at something else. So like a competitive gun shooter, they might benefit from doing archery. Practicing archery would also make them better at gun shooting. Someone who studies karate may benefit from doing judo. Um, 
Well, that's the idea. Hopefully you kind of get the main idea of it, right? You have your main thing and there's all these other things that supplement to help you strengthen that main thing to make you set your, you apart from other people. That is the main thing that I have done that has made me, I don't want to say irreplaceable because everybody can be irreplaceable, right? But it has, it has made people not want to replace me because it's easier to just have me because I have all of this other knowledge because I supplement my knowledge with other things that go around it. Okay. So let's talk about that. What are some things that will help me run a business, right? I run multiple businesses. Well, I got an MBA. Okay. So specifically to help me run businesses. Okay. Do I need it? No, but it made me stronger. How could I get better um, with being running businesses or being a CEO? I could be more analytical. What could help me with that? Well, I could take a finance class, but I have finance background. What can even make me more analytical? Studying math, doing computer programming. What will help me work long hours? Exercising every day, taking care of myself. Um, since we're setting up funds and collecting money, maybe understanding the SEC laws. There are some conferences that I want to go to to help me better understand the SEC laws. Those are going to make me a stronger business owner or stronger at that other thing that I'm selling or that other thing that I'm doing. And, and again, I'm not that depth with all of these other skills out there. So whatever it is that you're really good at, whether it's knitting or if it's drawing or sculpting or ballet or microbiology or psychiatry or going to be a medical doctor, there are things that you can do that are going to make you better and overall around better at what you're doing that are going to make you more of an asset to the people that you're selling your skill set to, right? And to do that, you need to cross train in the other things. Okay. You can do this with anything. And what's great about this is you learn new skills. And with those new skills, you can create new businesses and also continue to share what you learn. And then you start getting better at doing what you love, right? You started with that one thing that you loved. You strengthened it. You found out that you liked other things. You added those things into it. And then you also were able to sell those and diversify yourself, right? And diversify some of your revenue. So you're not stuck just working for someone and you get to just spend time like I am being blessed very, very blessed, very, very blessed and thankful and grateful to the universe and to Buddha and to my parents and everybody and to John and to 3T and all of the people that work for us to be able to do what I get to do every, to do every day and do what I love and do it on my terms. Right. And that's what we want to create for everybody. And I hope that you can get to that place too, if that's what you want, or maybe it's just doing what you love drawing for a comic book or, you know, becoming a marine biologist and working for the government and doing that your whole life and being successful at it. And then learning how to supplement that income by teaching it to other people. Now, if you focus on doing what you love and take into account the points that I've just talked about, you will not fail. The reason why I know, I feel in my heart and my gut, the reason why people fail is because they don't do what they love. When I finally started doing what I love and not trying to focus on money, right? I made bounds and bounds and bounds of progress to the point where I'm at today. Like I always say that this is just the beginning. The greatest failure is spending your whole life trying to make money, especially trying to make money, doing something that you hate what you were doing and or doing it for someone else. Now, as a reminder, before we end the show, I want to let you know that the Freedom Conference tickets are still on sale since we started this podcast <laughs> it is a wealth building conference with coach JV coach JV will talk, be talking again about mindset Porter Shumway from salt, salt financial salt river financial. will be talking about insurance and how to grow your wealth with insurance vehicles. Crypto influencer bearable bull will be live streamed in and he'll be talking about crypto again, live streamed because he's not going to be there in person because he is an avatar. And so 
but we want the avatar to present to you. Um, Jordan Harry will be speaking about speed learning. Uh, we will also have our technical analysis team and crypto research team for the hosting panels. And we will also be demoing our new crypto tracker app. Yes, I said it, our new crypto tracker app. If you're part of the 3T Academy, you've heard us talk about it a little bit, but we're going to have a demo there. We're going to have the exact, more of an idea of when the exact launch is going to be at that point in time, it will be released. We'll be demoing it because it is going to be the best crypto app on the market. And we will also be releasing our roadmap for our Phoenix crypto asset funds, which allows other people to invest in vehicles to help them create passive income because Phoenix crypto assets is about creating passive, reinventing passive income and creating passive income for our investors. We have so much great stuff, so make sure to check it out. Again, there's a link to buy your ticket. Um, so remember, be thankful. Oh, the link to buy the ticket is in the episode description. So remember to be thankful, grateful, and kind. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.